Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. and this is my husband, Kale Landis, and we have little baby Landis on the way. <laughs> um, and we will be reading from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found at peace with him without spot or blemish. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as an opportunity for salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all his letters, in which there are some matters that are hard to understand. The untaught and unstable will twist them into their own destruction, as they do with the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this is in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the errors of, of lawless people and fall from your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the end of a, and to the day of eternity. Amen. This is God. the word of the Lord. All right. Uh, that's quite the flex as far as having a baby announcement right before reading scripture. Well done. Uh, well done. All right. So how's everybody doing? Good. All right. Good. Going to get into a couple things and uh, also have a little bit of just kind of announcement kind of stuff. Uh, One of the things as we're working through church, we always want to communicate well. Uh, Like Brian and Debbie said, there's over here. This is our very fancy welcome center over here to my left. Uh, There is a small box for offering. There's an iPad to sign up, which I'll talk about in a second. And then there's simply a place to put your email down if you don't get an email from us. My goal is to never be overbearing. It doesn't happen a whole lot. Actually, I'm very overbearing for a lot of people. I talk a lot. But on communication, so we hope that you get communication from us about once, maybe twice a week at the most, short and sweet to direct how you're doing, what's going on, and where we're headed as a church. And so uh, we're glad you're with us this morning. We're closing out Second uh, Peter. But there's something, there's a couple of things that when you are, we recognize life is full. And so sometimes you're not able to make it to church. If you're not able to make it to church, we have a podcast. And what it is is simply our message uh, is recorded every week and then put online anywhere you go for a podcast. All you have to do is search 717. You can find it. This is extremely helpful too, especially as we get into groups, which we'll talk about even more uh, in just a second. But that way, hey, I missed last Sunday. I know we're going to talk about it this coming Sunday. So I want to make sure you listen to it so that you're able to walk through that together. So anywhere you find a podcast, you can find 717 Church. So Pastor Jason was just sharing about kids ministry. We are very close to opening kids ministry. And what I want you to hear from us is that we will, we want to be uh, slow and steady. We also recognize our model because we gather like this two times a month. Uh, we recognize that it could be that you might not make it to church one month because you're serving. So the more people that we have serving, the further we can space that out. So we're going quantity and quality 
as we work through this so that you go, okay, I want to serve in kids ministry, but I don't want to be in there every week. Well, I can promise you that's true. But we also want to make sure that we have teams of people working together so that it's spaced out so you're not going to miss this gather very often. So the more that you can bring uh, you, your friend, and some clearances, if you're in the process, get your clearances done. We'd love to open that class here soon, but uh, it would be a great opportunity. And then last, we've kind of taken this whole month of December, we've kind of gathered together, we paused groups, and then come January, we're gonna get back into that same model where we're gonna be first and third here in the building, second and fourth, we will be in groups. And so if you're not in a group and you want to be in one, we would love the opportunity to connect. All you have to do, you can go over to the iPad over there. You can go on the website. All you do is give your information. Shauna or myself will connect with you and then we'll connect you to a group, right? We'll say, ah, man, this seems like a good fit. We feel like this is the spot for you. We'd love to have it, okay? So we're also going to be working on having a couple groups, uh, a couple more groups added. So there's a couple different options. And what it is, is basically our whole model is relationship towards Jesus, right? So we gather here together. We study the word together. We worship together. Then come the next Sunday, we hope that you're gathering with somebody to engage what you just learned, what you just worked through. And then how are you going to share that with people? How are you going to talk through it with people that will go, hey, you know what? Life is a little more difficult than I thought it would be. Or, you know what? I'm working through this or Christ is teaching something in me or the Spirit's moving in me and I need to actually talk about this. Which, how many of you actually, like very few of us are like, oh my word, I'm going to tell everybody my life story. Right? None of us. But in relationship, the more that you build connection and relationship, the more comfortable you feel going, I can actually trust my stuff with this person. Now, there are a few of us that are overshares in this group. I won't name you, but it is super fun to have them because they go, oh, they can talk and they can share and then we'll be fine, right? But the hope is long distance, long-term relationships towards Jesus help us grow. And that's what we're about here. So we're glad you're with us this morning. We're going to dive into the word together and we're going to close uh, 2 Peter today. And then next week, we're going to walk through what it means as Christmas is now on top of us. And I haven't bought a single present yet this year. So I am winning. Yes. Yes. I didn't buy your presents. Your mom did. Yeah, that's right. All right. So we're going to get into word. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. Second Peter chapter three, verses 14. Or yeah, that's wrong. Second Peter chapter three, verses 14 to 18. There we go. Okay. Now, the whole point of what Peter's been working through, this whole concept is going, you already know the truth. You already know the truth. Here's some reminders on how we should be living. Here's some things that we should be working through. These are the things we should hold fast to. These are the things that we should continually remind ourselves, right? And so a reminder is much different than a, a full-on, like, sit down for a college class teaching kind of thing right? A reminder is simply going, you already know this. Tomorrow, when you go to work or to school, when you go to do something other than sit with other believers, when you're around other people, this is the way we should interact, right? And so some people are famous for post-it notes, right? You put a post-it note everywhere. You remind yourself of something. Uh, some people remind themselves a different way. Some people have 42 alarms on their phones. Whatever it is, however we need to remind ourselves, that's what Peter's at. And as he closes this 
section of scripture, he's simply saying, he's recapping everything he's walked through and going, okay, you need to remember this. And so this morning, I thought it'd be fitting to just take a deep breath. And I want to remind us something. Uh, I'm going to walk through pieces of scripture quickly, but I want you to hear this. And I want you to just take a second because this is important. You can easily skip out is go taking a breath and go, okay, go ahead, take a breath. Okay. This morning, I want to remind you of who Christ is and what he has done and what he continues to do. In Genesis chapter one, man is created. Or in, or in Genesis chapter, or Genesis, we are created. We are created by the creator. You are created by the creator. As many things in our lives try to tell us that you're broken, that you're messed up, this and that, oh, you can't do this, you're a failure for this, any of those things. You are created by the creator. Psalm 139, we learn before you were born, before you were even in the womb, your creator knew you. He knew everything about you. He knew everything you were going to do. He knew everything you weren't going to do. He knows all things and he knew that all before you were born. That's who your creator is. In 1 John chapter 3, he reminds us that he knows our sin. Everything that you have done wrong, that I have done wrong, he knows. Every single thing that we have done wrong, our Savior knows and still comes for us. He created us. He's known us from all time. He knows our sin. Galatians 4, chapter 4 to 5, tells us that God sent his son to set us free. God, creator of all things, sent his son to set us free. Romans 1 reminds us that Jesus' death and resurrection gives us grace. His death, his resurrection gives us grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, we are bought with a price. You are not yours. You are bought with a price. You are not yours. Ephesians chapter 2, he created us. He bought us again. And we have purpose to do good works for his glory. Hebrews 14, he knows every single one of our weaknesses. And he still loves us. Matter of fact, he says, I get glory in your weaknesses. In John 14, he brings us peace. This is who God is. And this is who he claims to be. These are base statements. You've probably heard these before, but these are truths that are spoken over you by who God is throughout all of scripture. These are the things that are true, right? These are the post-it notes for our lives. And so when we get into this, we start this section of scripture, Peter says, beloved. He says, beloved which is all believers who claim Jesus. And so when we claim Jesus, we're signing up for something that changes our entire lives. It changes the way we interact with family. It changes the way we interact with the people around us. 
it reminds us that you are supposed to be at work forgiving people because you have been forgiven. Because we're beloved, we're supposed to work out our differences, our frustrations, the things amongst us, right? Instead of burying them for them to be bitterness later, we are supposed to work those things out as best as we can because we are beloved. We're part of the body. Peter uses this four times in the book and repetition in scripture. If you ever see a word consistently, right? We're gonna talk about that in just a second. But if you see something in scripture repeatedly, it's important and should be paid attention to. And these truths, the same truths that we just spoke over, right? That we just read from scripture, they are now said of you because you're part of the body of Christ. If you claim Jesus, this is true of you. The hard part is for all of us is going, okay, I like this truth. This sounds good. But when I walk out of this room or whatever room, wherever you go to church, applying the truth to my day-to-day life is where I struggle. Anybody else? Me, right? I know my anger should not rule me. But man, on Tuesday, when I get home after a long day of working with people and trying to work through things, and then a kid wants something from me that they're not supposed to have. Okay, God. What do you want me to do? And I would like to think that I stop and say that, but that doesn't always happen, right? The truth of scripture, the truth of scripture changing the interactions, the things that we're working on, that is the spirit moving in us. And that's what Peter's saying. He says, you already know the truth, right? You already know we've sat through thousands and thousands of sermons and messages. You know the truth. Allow the spirit to change your actions. And so the hardest part is saying that and then go, okay, what do I do? All steps of faith start with surrender. All steps of faith start with surrender. All steps of faith start with surrender. Because if I don't surrender, whatever situation that I'm working through, whatever situation that I'm struggling with, if I don't surrender that to God, here's what I'll do. I'll throw a temper tantrum. I'll complain about it. I'll tell anybody who will listen about it. I'll be mad about it. I'll bring other people into my pain with me. Unsurrendered situations, things, will lead us to bitterness. All faith starts with surrender. I'll stomp my feet until I get what I want. I'll do whatever I can to get my way. I'll use sentences that are common in this day and age. I feel like I need this. Oh, they don't understand because I'm going through this. Nothing is new under the sun. We use common phrases to make ourselves feel better for what we want instead of surrender towards what God is calling you to. When beloved is used, we could go back to that list I just worked through. You are free because of him. You are known and loved because of him. There's not a single thing you can do outside of his understanding. Nothing, okay? This is true of you, and that's why it requires all of you. 
If you hear nothing from today, all of scripture points to requiring all of you to worship him, not just a piece. And so as we get into this first section, this first verse is pretty heavy. It says, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, if we go back just earlier in that section of scripture, just before that, he's talking about Christ coming back, right? Everybody, we joked about last time, how many times we say, man, I can't wait for Jesus to get me out of here right? Get me up out of this place. I don't want to deal with these people anymore. You see how broken this world is, all of those things, right? And so we see that whole thought of going, we're waiting. Scripture is calling us to wait on God, to wait on him, but it's an expectation to it. You know, when you're waiting for something that you're really excited about, somebody coming home, something with a present that you know, man, this is, yeah, I, there's an expectation to it. You're waiting for it. You're counting down the hours. You're moving constantly. You're still doing life, but you're waiting for it. That's the way we're supposed to be for who God is and him returning. We're looking for him to come. We grow our expectation by learning about him more and applying that knowledge to our lives. The more you understand God, the more it should change your actions. Okay? We're really good at the educational system. We're really good about learning about God. We re refuse to allow him to change our actions. Right? Yeah? Maybe it's just me. But if we want things to change, if we believe, right, that expectation is growing us, it's growing and changing us, that expectation should go, man, I'm going to keep learning about God and I'm going to keep understanding his love and how he loves me just the way I am. And he's turning me and changing me to be more like him. And the more that that happens, the more that it should change my actions. If you were at the same place you were six months, a year ago in how you're dealing with stuff, maybe it's time to ask a question. And if you're not sure what you're dealing with, ask somebody that's close to you. What needs to change? Right? Because here's what I've realized. Our expected living allows us to both live for today and live for the long term. We usually get caught in one or the other. I'm living for today or I'm going to stick my, hand, my head in the sand and wait for heaven. But when we live a surrendered life, we can live for today because this is his and we can live for the future because this is his. So here's what I was processing. In this, when we hear that, there's a couple different kinds of Christians and I'm gonna play, I'm gonna lay this out here. There's, it's not an exhaustive list, but there's a couple different, okay? Number one, and this is what I think is most of us, the busy ones. We're highly moral people, right? We have a high motor, but little room for the spirit to do anything in our life. That's most Christians. Highly moral, that way we can prove we're right. We have a high motor to get things done, but little room for the spirit to change anything in our life. I've got my morals I can hang on to. I've got my uh, work that I can do, but there's little room for the spirit to change anything in my life. Number two, Again, this isn't an exhaustive list, but as I was walking through this, there's the over-spiritualizer. Every single thing is an attack, and yet they've never taken a step forward of faith. 
Everything's an attack. Man, Satan's trying to get me down. Satan's trying to get me down. Satan's trying to move. But they've never actually done anything. They've never taken a step of faith. They've never interacted with somebody. They've never shown grace. They over-spiritualize, but then they never do anything about it. That's number two. Number three, the lazy. The lazy Christian is full, I'll use the word fat with knowledge, and they never actually do anything. And they're usually the complainers of the church. They never do anything. The spirit hasn't changed anything in their life. They haven't ever served anybody. Or if they do, they serve as minimal as possible. Serving is not about your faith necessarily. I could care less if you serve. What I do care about is that you love Jesus. And when he loves and moves in you, things will change. But even if you don't serve anybody here, if you're serving people outside of these walls, whatever our church is, if you're serving and putting them and pointing them to Jesus, you're taking a step of faith. But too often we just have knowledge and it never changes us. And then every once in a while we come across and, and usually it's for small, it's patches of our life is when we're surrendered. When we're surrendered, we're obedient to what God's calling us to. So beloved, we're waiting for something more. And so Peter calls us to be diligent and at peace. Anybody had a peaceful week last week? Nah, nobody did. Anybody understand or feel like, what, what does even peace look like? I think that's a joke, right? Yeah? It's interesting because peace settles so many things in our life. It doesn't mean life is not chaotic. Instead, what it is, is I'm settled in who God is and what he's doing. The boat still rocks, but I understand he's the boat that carries me, right? Be diligent is to use speed, to make effort, to be prompt or earnest, to give diligence, right? Understanding the word is how we become diligent. The more we understand God's word, the more that we allow it to change our actions, the way it changes who we are and what we're doing, the more that we are doing that, that's how we're diligent. And I love that reference to without spot or blemish that, uh, that reckons or calls to the different times where blood was shed throughout scripture for the covering of sin. Go back to the Old Testament where they put blood on the doorposts. There was sacrifice that is involved. First Peter 1.19 talks about the fact that he is the one who paid the price. The more we understand the word, the more it should change our behavior. If you look quickly, even back to chapter two, you see what scripture calls as the wicked. And so these two things should be in opposition. Us being diligent in peace, and the rest of the world. Matthew Henry put it this way, all the truths which are revealed in scripture should be improved for our advancement in practical godliness. This is the effect that knowledge must produce. We are never the better for it. Knowledge must produce something in us that makes us more like him. And so as we're walking through today, some things 
I love when uh, Peter talks about, he actually references Paul, which is pretty cool when scripture references himself. And Peter actually says, hey, sometimes scripture is actually hard to understand. That should be like a deep breath for us. Like sometimes scripture is actually hard to understand. But it takes work. It takes effort to engage it, to understand it. That's why we listen to people talk about it. That's why we understand, right? Too often we can settle for, okay, I just heard this and I'm moving out. But when Peter actually talks about that, he's just going, interacting with scripture consistently will help us understand what it's calling us to and how it's moving us. Verse 17. You therefore, beloved, that's the last time he uses that, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so as I was trying to wrap this up and I've been like working through this for like the, the past week or so, at the end of the day, we are called to grow for God's glory. At the end of the day, the spirit is moving in us, not to make us better people, but to remind us of what we're called to, which is to be people that speak of God's glory by how he's changing us. And so this is why it matters. And this is kind of the whole point as we spend time in scripture going, we're studying this, we're spending time in it, we're interacting with it, we're engaging with it because the point of this is going, both my best days and my hardest days are to point to him. My sin and how I seek repentance from it should point to him. The willingness of me to say, you know what? I did that. The willingness to show grace and mercy. That's Jesus at work. To take steps of faith and to understand that this is not mine. This is his. This is why it matters. It's because it's for his glory. To change the way I interact with the people around us. You often will know that the people closest to you know the most about you. Have they seen Jesus move in you at all in the last month, three months, six months? In the chaos of this world, only because of him can I be diligent and at peace. And so this is why we always end our time with questions of going, okay, spirit, you are the answer. You're the ones that's moving us. You're the one that's turning to us. What do you want to do? What do you want to change? How do you want to move in our lives? And so we're going to finish with a couple questions. And so this is always a moment of just going, okay, God, we've walked through this. It's been a reminder for scripture. It's been a reminder for us of how we're supposed to be changing. And so what are we going to finish with? What are you going to just say, God, how do you want to move? And so number one, 717's values. Our values say we want to know the word and do it. What are the areas of God's word we stop short of knowing and doing? So like what in your life? Just take a second and I, and I encourage you, just like tell somebody today, 
man, I am not allowing God to change my words at all. I am so quick to anger. I know it's not what he wants for me. I know that's not what he needs. Or I am, I need the spirit to move in this area. Or if you're not sure, you think you got it all pretty much go together. I'd encourage you to ask somebody, where do you see in my life that the spirit needs to move? Okay, number two, define your view of peace. A lot of times we operate under a view of peace that makes life, everything's easy. Everything's good. Do you think it matches with the biblical definition of peace, which is God is the answer to all things and that is settled? That means the hard moments I'm going through, those are his. What does he want from me? And number three, what areas of your life is he growing you for his glory? What is he doing in you? What is he doing to move in you? What is he doing to say, you know what? It's time to move. I need you to use this for my glory. It's time for you to start opening up and allowing people into your life. It's time for you to take a step of faith. It's time for you. How are you gonna move that, right? And then last, we believe that we are a part of the body. We're a part of the, his church. And so we, if none of them, you're like, nah, none of these questions really apply. I encourage you to take a minute or two and just pray for Lidditz Moravian Church. Great opportunity. We're a part of them. They're a part of us. They claim Jesus. And we say, okay, God, we want to see your church thrive. And may they grow in faith and mercy and grace. Okay. So we're going to play a song for a minute and just this opportunity to take a second and say, okay, God, hands open, surrendered life. What do you want to do? And then we'll pray together. Father God, thank you for who you are. So fathers, we interact with your word and we, we hear the reminders that you're giving to us. Father, may you shrink the space between what we know and what we do. And Father, the hope is not us, but the hope is your glory. The hope is not easy. Instead, it's truth. Father, the hope is not so that we can put our feet up and kick back and relax. But instead, Father, the fact that you know us, that you cared for us, that you created us, that you move in us, the Father, the, that fact should apply and, and move us out into this world of going, there's hope today. Father, we're in this season and, and people want to celebrate Christmas and, and they want to give gifts and they want to do all these things. Father, we are reflecting what you have done since the beginning of time. But Father, may we, may we tie it to that. Father, may we walk from this place full of hope, not because of anything we've done or felt or any of those kind of things, but because you are at work in us, that you care enough for us, that you've called us to yourself and that you've given us hope and freedom through your son's death. So Father, we love you. And Father, we need you. This is hard. This life is hard, but we have hope. We have peace because you are with us. So Father God, thank you.
Thanks for loving us. And may we trust you a little bit more today. In your precious name, amen. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what his word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.